Welcome to today's Journal Club webinar. Um, my name is Rachel Dager. I'm the Executive Director of SNEB and glad you're joining us for the presentation today. Um, this is a little bit of a different housekeeping uh, spiel for me because we are using Zoom webinars for the first time. If you have been to past SNEB webinars, you know that we've used um, GoToWebinar for over a decade. Uh, so we are trying something new today. So um, bear with us as we work through a new process. Um, so you should be able to see the handout for today's presentation in the chat. Um, if you do not see that, just let me know. You can let me know in the chat. And so we'll make sure that you can um, download the PDF of the slides and follow along with the presentation. Um, I have turned on the transcript option, uh, so I, you should be able to enable that on your screen as well uh, to see closed captioning of the presentation. Oh, all right. Is it posted? So maybe it didn't show up. Thank you. Let me try it one more time. I put it in there when we first got started, but it might not have shown up for you. Okay. Um, Perfect, thank you. We're gonna learn as we go today. <laughs> um, 
I've also turned on um, the chat feature. Oh, so we will take questions at the end of the presentation. And you should have a question um, tab to to be able to type your questions. Um, unlike GoToWebinar, I believe everyone can see the questions as they're being typed and, and asked, um, and also have the ability to, I think, upvote or comment on the questions. Um, so we'll try that out today as well. Um, and then, so that means if you have a technical question or an administrative question, um, oh, okay just the host and panelists enable. All right, I'll check that, thank you. Um, if you have a technical question or administrative question, send that um, to me versus asking a question in the question block. Just send those technical questions to me in the chat. And um, so then just a reminder, um, when the webinar ends today, you'll still see a feedback survey. And I actually put a question in um, asking about Zoom, if there's anything that is not working, um, what we could do differently, work, do better as we um, move to this new platform. And then we, you will still get a follow-up email um, by Wednesday of this week with a link to the recording, um, the slides, and the CEU certificate that you're earning for your attendance. Um, and so I will turn things over to our moderator, Dr. Kristen DiFilippo, assistant professor at the University of uh, Illinois. She has faithfully gotten, got organized and gotten us through another uh, journal club series this spring. Thank you, Rachel. And Rachel does a lot of the organizing too. Um, so thank you for joining us this spring for our, our series as we've looked at methodology. Today, our speaker is Clara Gorozo. She is a doctoral student at the Department of Public Health Sciences, Stockholm University. Clara's research is about the effect of social mobility on health and how it is influenced by interpersonal relationships outside the family. Her previous research examined how peers and the school system are associated with inequalities and how to improve access to healthy food to prevent obesity in underserved low-income communities. I wanna thank her for joining us today, um, especially with the time change and the distance, and I look forward to hearing uh, her presentation. So at this time I can pass it over to Clara. Thank you very much, Kristan. And uh, welcome everyone. Uh, thank you very much for having me and thank you for uh, attending uh, this, uh, the session of this journal club. So today I am going to speak about uh, the paper titled Child Care Sites Participating in the Federal Child and Other Care Food, food Program Provide More Nutritious Foods and Beverages. And I would like to acknowledge my co-authors who were Daniel Ali, Kyle Ritchie, Sally Yoshida, Alice Homel Vitali, Ken Hecht, and Lorin Davis-Ritchie. And uh, this uh, paper was published in the Journal of Nutrition Education and Behavior in 2020. So just quickly, okay. Just quickly, sorry, I had a problem with uh, uh, going forward with my slides. So uh, the outline of my presentation today is the following. First, I would like to introduce myself quickly, then give you the background of this study and the research questions. Uh, then I will talk more about the design and our results, discuss the results, talk about the strengths and the limitations of our study and uh, talk about the implications of uh, our uh, paper for research and practice. So as uh, Kristen already 
mentioned. Uh, uh, my, I hold an uh, MA degree in economic policy in global markets uh, from the Central European University, which is in Budapest, Hungary. Then after finishing my master's, I spent a few years in the United States and where I was a data analyst uh, at the UCANR Nutrition Policy Institute in Berkeley, California. And this was the time actually when this study took place and we did the analysis and uh, write up our, wrote up our results. So this study was basically financed by the uh, Nutrition Policy Institute and my co-authors were... Uh, all residing in uh, California, most of them. Uh, I am a PhD candidate at the Department of Public Health Sciences, Stockholm University. And uh, now it is uh, 7 p.m. here, so we have uh, a big uh, time difference. Okay, oh, now it works. Nice. in some type of uh, child care. And the Federal Child and Adult Care, Adult care Food Program, which I am going to refer to in the rest of this presentation as CACFP, reaches more young children than any other single program in the United States. The details of the program are the following. Uh, CACFP provides full or partial reimbursement for meals and snacks. Uh, it focuses on providers and children from low-income households uh, specifically. Uh, the reimbursement uh, can be maximum up to three meals per day. Uh, and uh, it has a specific uh, uh, item requirements. So each meal and snack must include certain components specified by CACFP guidelines. And previous research showed that CACFP sites provided more nutritious food and beverage options. And uh, the guidelines uh, which are provided for the sites were updated and uh, they were then the new guidelines were set in place in October 2017. But this study took place before these new guidelines. So our research questions were the following. Did child care sites that participate in child and adult care food program or CACFP provide healthier foods and beverages than those that did not participate in CACFP in 2016 before the uh, uh, adaptation of the new guidelines? And then we were interested in a more detailed, a more methodological question. Does the total number of meals and snacks provided by childcare sites make a difference in the association between participation in CACFP and types of foods provided by CACFP? So the design was of this study was the following. We uh, created a stratified random sample. Uh, we picked 2,400 uh, sites randomly 
from the more than 50,000 uh, California sites who which had uh, uh, access to. We had access to their addresses through uh, California databases. And uh, seven uh, child care site types were uh, pre-identified by an expert panel of my uh, co-authors. Uh, these uh, seven groups were Head Start centers, state preschools, other CACFP centers, centers not enrolled in CACFP, family child care homes enrolled in CACFP, and family child care homes not enrolled in CACFP. And we randomly picked 300 out of all these seven uh, categories. Then we send postcards with a link to our survey to these uh, sites. And if they did not respond, then we sent a mail survey as well. And uh, finally, we had an overall uh, response rate, which was 30%. And it, was, uh, it is important that uh, my co-authors uh, did a very similar study when they were aiming to investigate participation in CACFP in terms of what types of foods and beverages are offered in the site in the sites in uh, 28 in 2008 uh, and that uh, study was published in 2012 but we were aiming to make our study as comparable to that study as possible and we had to take this into account when we created our sample and when we designed our evaluation. So the survey instrument was adopted from previous California childcare surveys and from this previous study. The first section of the survey asked questions about the characteristics of the sites. And I will present you that in our descriptive statistics. Then the second section of this uh, survey was a food and beverage checklist, including 28 items. Each uh, question was asking when a certain item was provided for breakfast, lunch, dinner, supper, or snack, and who provided it. Was it brought by the parents or was it provided by the site? Then uh, we created a binary uh, or uh, dummy variables out of these uh, questions. And these uh, showed whether an item was served uh, by a site on any meal occasion or not. Our exposure, our X variable was participation in CACFP. And based on what the uh, sites responded on the survey, so it wasn't based on our pre categorization, but based on what they responded, but actually the two uh, overlapped almost perfectly. So I just wanted to show you the equation that we are estimating here in this simple unadjusted model, where we have y, our item, food item uh, variable, and we have x, uh, whether the site participated in CACFP or not. And then the beta is the estimate that we are going to see uh, in, later in this presentation. And this B is, I will refer to it sometimes as an effect, but it is important that this is not a causal effect. This is just this estimate, this beta. So we have two independent variables. 
that we are interested in. One is the number of meals and snacks provided in total. So we uh, supposed, we had this hypothesis that CACF besides would offer more uh, items or more nutritious items because they offer more meals in general. And that makes them to participate also in CACFD. And for that reason, we wanted to uh, control for this uh, possibility and not uh, take that into consideration when we would like to see uh, the effect of the program. And uh, this is going to be uh, the uh, estimate that we will be interested in in the adjusted model. So this is the adjustment and this is the estimate. And then we are also aware that uh, non-CACFP centers are required to follow uh, the CACFP guidelines. However, the homes, the family child care homes are not uh, required to follow CACFP guidelines, which makes it very likely that the differences between homes by CACFP participation and centers are, are, are different. So maybe the CACFP centers uh, regardless of, maybe the centers, regardless of CACFP participation, are more similar to each other. And we wanted to take that into consideration. And uh, these results uh, will not be shown in the table, but I still wanted to show you that how we did this. Uh, we uh, captured this uh, pattern by taking the interaction between the exposure and whether a site was a center, center or home. And if we saw a significant interaction, then we uh, checked uh, our effects separately for homes and separately for centers. So we used logistic regressions because our outcome was binary and we attained odds ratios before adjustments and adjusted odds ratios after controlling for number of meals and snacks. And uh, the interaction uh, between the CACFP participation and whether a center was, uh, whether a site was center or home will allow us to see the effect of CACFP participation uh, by the type of the uh, site. Okay, so, but how were these sites which participated in our uh, study? Because this was uh, only uh, 680 uh, sites. So it's, it was a small uh, number of uh, participants. In 90% of the uh, study sites, uh, the site director or owner responded to our surveys which was uh, quite good because they are, uh, we expected that they are well informed about the foods offered in the site. Uh, we were able to, uh, or we intended to, eat, uh, to reach a more diverse group of providers by uh, having English and Spanish language surveys as well. Uh, finally, only 2% of the uh, study sites were filling out Spanish language surveys. Then the seven groups that I uh, mentioned before uh, are uh, shown here. So 14% of the uh, sites were Head Start centers, 19% were state preschools, 
the biggest group was uh, other CACFP centers, uh, which was 27%. Uh, 23% of our sample were centers not enrolled in CACFP. And then 10% uh, were homes who were enrolled in CACFP and 7% were homes, but not enrolled in CACFP. So altogether 70% of our uh, participants uh, actually part, uh, were uh, in CACFP or followed CACFP guidelines. The average number of children per site was 77.9 and uh, by on uh, in total and by age group, uh, the average number of children who were between one and two years old was five. On average, uh, 10 children were, were uh, between ages two and three uh, per site. And then uh, on average, 62 children uh, were in the sites who were between ages of three and five. And then, uh, the mean number of staff per site were uh, around 15, and 82% of the uh, participants provided full day care. And uh, these were uh, mostly 90% of the sites were uh, in operation quite long, more than five years, and uh, more than uh, half of them prepared the food on site. Um, uh, uh, around 70% prepared the food in a central kitchen and 16% uh, prepared the food uh, or, or got the food through, through school food service. And then when it was asked who was responsible for menu planning, uh, we saw that in 36% uh, of the cases, uh, directors or supervisors were responsible, in 27% cooks or chefs, in 16% caregivers or providers, 29% dietitian or food service manager, sorry, 16% uh, dietitian or food service manager, and then uh, other responses were uh, 30%. So here we wanted to test if our a priori uh, thought was right, and uh, CACFP sites were offering more uh, food for more on more occasions than non-CACFP sites. And in this table, you can see the total number of, uh, uh, of uh, sites and what percentage of them provided a certain meal. And then we uh, separated this, that by whether the site was CACFP participant or not CACFP participant. And then we uh, compared these uh, differences and you can see the p-values here. Uh, if uh, the uh, outcome was binary, as in case of the uh, breakfast, lunch, supper, dinner, mid-morning snack, mid-afternoon snack, and evening snack, then we read the logistic regression. And then in the case of the total number of meals and snacks, we ran a, uh, an independent sample t-test. And our uh, uh, expectation was... Uh, uh, justified by these numbers, because as you can see, 
CACF besides provided uh, altogether three uh, around three uh, meals per day, three meals and snacks, while non-CACF besides provided only 2.3 uh, meals and snacks, and this was a highly significant difference. And then in uh, more details, CACF besides were more likely to provide breakfast, lunch, supper or dinner, and, uh, and these main meals kind of. Okay, so these were the descriptives. And uh, now I'm going to talk about our main results. So we grouped together uh, the 27 item list into uh, food groups based on the uh, CACFP guidelines. The first uh, groups were fruits and vegetables. And uh, uh, and this is a quite a big table, so let me uh, explain to you what you can see here exactly. In the first uh, column, you see all the number of all providers uh, who responded that they did uh, offer a certain uh, food group and uh, the percentage of them. Then the same for CACFP sites and the same for non-CACFP sites. You can see the unadjusted odds ratios when the reference group was CACFP sites and, uh, the, and the adjusted odds ratios. And we uh, also show the confidence intervals and the p-values. And we did uh, the interesting uh, pattern here that before adjusting for meals and snacks, we saw that CACFP sites were more likely to offer both fruits and vegetables, but these uh, differences faded away after controlling for uh, meals and snacks. In terms of meat and meat alternates, we asked about meats, poultry and fish, eggs, peanut butter, other nut butters, and vegetarian meat substitutes. And what we saw that before adjustments, CACFP sites were more likely to offer both meats, poultry, fish, and eggs. Uh, but after adjustments, only we see a difference, a significant difference only in meat, poultry, and fish. In the dairy products, uh, we uh, assessed natural cheese processed cheese, flavored yogurt, and plain yogurt. And here uh, we have uh, with, uh, interesting results that uh, after adjustment, uh, we saw that uh, non-CACFP sites were more likely, significantly more likely to offer natural cheese, uh, flavored yogurt, and plain yogurt as well. In the sweets and snacks uh, uh, food group, we assessed whether the sites uh, offered sweet pastries, sweet cereals, frozen treats, candy, and salty snack type foods. And uh, what we saw that after adjustments, uh, the non-CACFP sites were more likely to offer sweet cereals, frozen treats, and candy type of items. 
And uh, the only significant interaction that we uh, found was in the salty snack type foods group. So in this group, we saw uh, that uh, the uh, CACF, the non-CACFP participants were more likely to offer salty snack type foods. And then in the grains food group, uh, we saw that after adjusting for uh, the number of meals and snacks, the uh, non-CACFP participants were more likely to offer white grains than the CACFP participants. And finally, beverages were assessed as well. And uh, among them, we assessed the 100% juice, sugary drinks, milk, and water. And what we saw that uh, before and after adjustment as well, uh, CACFP sites were less likely to offer milk. Uh, They were also uh, uh, less likely actually after adjustment uh, to offer uh, milk. And uh, they were also less likely. Uh, yes, sorry. Uh, they, sorry, the, the, the CACFP participants were less likely to offer uh, water, but they were uh, more likely to offer milk. Yes. Okay. So if we want to summarize what was the difference between the adjusted and the unadjusted results, or what did they show us exactly? Uh, The attenuation of the odds ratios uh, suggests that one factor factor contributing to the association between CACFP participation and better nutrition may be the greater number of opportunities to provide food. And it might not be CACF specific, but the differences remaining even after adjustments suggest that better nutrition was likely related to other factors associated with CACFP participation. And what could be these other factors? They could be the fact that these uh, sites were uh, required to attend a training before participation and during the participation yearly. They were monitored. Uh, and uh, uh, they were monitored before the participation and then every second or third year after the participation. And then uh, we were aware that uh, the new guidelines were uh, set in place soon after our study, uh, after our survey took place in 2016. And it could be that... uh, Uh, the sites were already preparing for these new guidelines and they were already uh, improving their uh, food and beverage uh, offer. So when we go into the um, specific items and the specific differences, we can think about what might make, uh, what, what could be behind these differences. In case of the dairy products, more non-CACFP sites than CACFP ones reported serving natural cheese, milk, and plain yogurt after adjusting for meal snack count. 
And uh, we know that CACF pesticides are actually required to serve milk with meals. And uh, cheese and yogurt, yogurt are counted as part of the meat and meat alternatives group in the CACFP meal pattern. So it could be uh, the case that they didn't count them separately. The providers didn't count them separately, but they counted them at a meal or meat alternates. Then uh, more non-CACFP sites reported serving water after adjusting for meal snack count. This could be the result that there is, or other studies show that there is a misperception among the providers that they can't offer milk and water in the same time at uh, meals. So they only uh, uh, offer milk with the meals. And uh, when we compare our results, uh, with that previous study from 2008 that I already uh, referred to. We saw from the unadjusted models a largely uh, consistent pattern. The differences were in two cases. Uh, fewer uh, CACFP participants reported providing sweet cereal and frozen treats in 2016. And the more CACFP participants reported providing grains in uh, 2008. However, we have to interpret the grains result with caution because uh, studies showed that providers have some difficulty with uh, categorizing foods in terms of grains cor correctly. When we uh, turn to the center or home, uh, investigation of our study, uh, we, as I already mentioned, we saw only one significant uh, interaction, uh, which were uh, uh, non-CACFP centers were more likely than CACFP centers to provide salty snacks. Uh, and we didn't see a significant difference between the uh, homes. And this suggests that non-CACFP centers in California may benefit from additional support to improve nutrition provided to children, even though they are required to follow the CACFP guidelines. And uh, we, there are uh, strengths of this study that this was a relatively large sample size uh, in, uh, compared to studies, uh, which were also focusing on CACFP participation. Uh, we uh, represented uh, all the licensed child care site categories in our study with that seven category that I described. We had surveys both in English and Spanish, and we had an extensive list of foods and beverages. But uh, obviously we had limitations as well, which had to be uh, uh, acknowledged. Between when we uh, interpret the results from our adjusted models, we have to be aware that there is a bi-directional relationship between CACFP participation and the number of meals and snacks offered. Because maybe the sites uh, were offering more meals and snacks in order to participate, but it could also be the case that they were already uh, offering more meals and snacks during the days. And that, that was the reason why they participated in uh, CACFP or they uh, 
wanted to participate. So we uh, we have to uh, be uh, highly aware that we talk about correlations here and not causal effects. We only uh, investigated California childcare sites, which restricts the uh, general validity, external validity of our study. Uh, the, the participation was voluntary. It could easily be the case that those sites which uh, were providing uh, more nutritious foods or beverages were participating. Uh, and uh, we have to be also aware of reporting bias that people are uh, likely to uh, uh, to answer uh, answers which they uh, think are expected and uh, not the uh, when which they don't uh, which are not representing the reality as well and uh, we didn't have uh, information whether items were usually served or actually consumed uh, by the children, uh, which is an important limitation. And uh, we were lacking uh, knowledge about other features features of CACFP participation besides the number of meals and snacks. And uh, what are the implications for research and practice? Well, what we found was that child care centers and family child care homes participating in CACFP generally reported providing healthier options than non-CACFP sites. And uh, it is important to note that only one third of children younger than age six who attend child care receive care at a site participating in CACFP. So future research could address what are the barriers uh, to uh, what are the barriers to participating in CACFP? Because uh, uh, tackling those barriers could allow children to uh, uh, receive more nutritious foods and beverages in childcare. Then uh, there was another study based on this same data set which was uh, actually focusing on uh, beverages specifically, and they were uh, comparing uh, the answers from our 2008 uh, study with the answers in uh, 2016. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, I know that at the Institute people were uh, planning to make another survey and compare the answers from this survey with the answers uh, after uh, the new guidelines were set in place. Thank you very much for your attention. And uh, I am happy to answer questions and discuss the results. Thank you so much for sharing your paper today. Um, if people have questions, they can put those in the question box or in the chat. Um, so one question that I had, so it looked like in, in some cases that it was the number if, and tell me if I interpret this incorrectly, but it looked like it was the number of meals uh, that really contributed to getting in the right food groups. Would you mm -hmm. recommend to non-CACFP uh, facilities that don't be, plan on becoming CACFP facilities to increase the number of meals and snacks they serve? Uh, I think uh, it depends. 
what 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 is the uh, situation in the specific uh, place because often the uh, parents are bringing uh, the meals uh, for the uh, children and then uh, if there is no uh, need or the, or the or the parents do not wish to have uh, food provided in the childcare site of course we don't uh, recommend it but in general we would uh, recommend it uh, yes to provide more uh, meals and snacks because if uh, if they especially if they participate in CACFP because we see that those meals are more nutritious yeah so the content of the meals themselves are more nutritious yes. as well yeah. yeah and we saw that with a couple of food groups would yeah. um if someone was wanting to engage in a project similar to this, what kind of advice would you give them before they got started? Uh, I think it is um, maybe we had an extensive list of items, but maybe a little bit shorter item list could help uh, the participants to uh, answer the questions with more attention and more focus. So that uh, that was something that we concluded after the uh, survey. And then also, as I mentioned, uh, we didn't ask about the other uh, features of CACFP, how many training they participated, how well, how aware are these of uh, the, the providers are of the CACFP guidelines. Those could be somehow uh, taken into consideration in the survey. Um, yes, I think these were, if, if, I mean, the best would be, of course, and I was part of a study like that, to go there and observe what actually children eat. But that is a very costly way of conducting a study. So, and then there is a trade-off between how many participants we want to have and, uh, and how well do we want to observe what yeah. is happening in the childcare sites. And uh, with this study, we uh, were aiming for a higher participant rate, which has its advantages, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So try to go into that many homes would have been very, yeah. very difficult. And centers would have been very difficult to do. Um, exactly. For the follow-up, you said they're, the group you were working with is talking about doing another survey. Will they do a shorter survey or will they keep the same survey to keep everything comparable? Or do you know? I don't know. I don't know because I didn't, uh, yeah, I, we weren't in contact uh, about uh, studies since I left. <clears throat> I only saw that they were coming out with the beverage study. Yeah. So I'm not sure if they really updated the, uh, the survey. I know that they updated the survey from 2008. So this was a little bit different survey, but not too much. Uh, so I guess here, if, if uh, in the future survey, they also have to kind of somehow adhere to the previous uh, yeah. studies and surveys as well. Yeah, to keep everything comparable. Yes, which is, uh, which is sometimes, I think in terms of, for example, uh, survey, uh, uh, the sample selection, how we randomize this study, we would have done a few things uh, differently, but we had to be. Uh, consistent with the first yeah. survey yeah, and the first sample. Did you have any idea of why grains might have decreased from the earlier time point to 2016? 
Uh, I think maybe, uh, yeah, because that was, I mean, there what the pattern was that uh, the providers, uh, the CACFP providers reported that they offered more uh, 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 non-white grains uh, and uh, we didn't see this difference in uh, 2016. So it could also be the case that the other providers were kind of catching up uh, yeah. in terms of grains, uh, which is, I think it's uh, it's very likely that uh, that happened. Yeah. Were, so another question, were the non-CACFP sites resistant to participating in this study? Um, did you have to give them any incentives? Uh, yes, we, they, they had, they had, um, uh, gift card uh, emailed uh, or sent uh, after participation. Uh, and well, from the response rate, I mean, 70% of the responders were CACFP sites. So I would say, yes, that the non-CACFP sites were somewhat uh, reluctant to participate. And I think there were uh, among the non-CACFP homes, we had to contact <coughs> uh, some uh, providers uh, via phone because uh, uh, they because we didn't have uh, responses. So we randomly picked a few sites and contacted them uh, via phone. That makes sense. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your work today. It, it's been great to learn about. And I want to thank um, everyone for joining us on Zoom for the first time. At this point, I can hand it back to Rachel. Excellent. Yes, thank you very thank much you. for this opportunity. Uh, just a reminder, when I close the webinar, there'll be a short survey, and we appreciate your feedback. Um, on this session and any ideas for the fall. Uh, Kristen is working on developing the fall journal club series. She has some ideas, but always welcome to suggestions. Um, we did just put two more webinars on the SNEB calendar for May. Um, so check the website um, for those two division sponsored sessions coming up, one on the 19th and one on the 23rd. Uh, then a reminder that conference registration is open with both in-person and virtual attendance options. Um, so we may see you back online or we may see you in person in Atlanta in July. So. Thank you for attending today.